0: Where do you need more courage in your life? Well, I'm Julie Busteed, and this is The Christian Working Woman, where we encourage, equip, and empower Christians in the workplace. And this month's theme is courage. And today Lisa Bishop teaches on the courage to confess.
1: Yeah, that's right, Julie. I love that we're teaching through courage this month because we all need courage. Whether it's courage in the workplace or in other aspects of life and relationships, mental and moral strength are absolutely necessary as we follow Jesus and live out the gospel in our everyday lives. Mm,
0: Combining courage with confession is an intriguing connection. I look forward to hearing more.
1: Thanks, Julie. As I mentioned, there's so many areas of life that we need courage. It's from changing jobs to admitting when you made a mistake at the office, taking a risk and trying something new, staying in a friendship when it gets hard, making amends with a coworker, or apologizing to a spouse. There's really no end to the list of things and circumstances that require us to muster up courage. You know, courage is said to be the mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And another way I've heard courage defined that has a bit more depth to it is this. Courage is the ability to face and overcome fear while prioritizing a greater objective. It is not the absence of fear, but rather the determination to act despite its presence, guided by a strong sense of purpose and a commitment to achieving a higher good. I really love this definition because it goes beyond just persevering through fear. I really hear the word hope in it. You aren't just mustering up the determination to push through something that causes anxiety and distress. Just for the sake of it, you, you have a greater intention and mission. You're committed to conjuring up courage because there's a greater motive and something much bigger at stake. Several weeks ago, I watched a movie, Luther, The Fallen Son. My friend picked it, and I had no clue what the movie was about before we started watching it. Otherwise, I might have declined. But anyway, the the movie is about a former detective chief inspector, John Luther's pursuit of a serial killer, David Roby. David, the villain in the movie, uses in-home technology to surveil and then blackmail his victims. Somehow he finds a way to secretly spy on what appears to be everyday ordinary people invading their privacy. He has, unbeknownst to them, infiltrated their lives, giving him a window into their deepest, darkest secrets, which, in the cruelest of ways, he ends up using against them. He essentially capitalizes on their shame for their moral acts. Now, the movie isn't explicit about what those acts are. They, they're left to the viewer's imagination. But as I watched the diversity of those victimized by the leverage the serial killer had on them for knowing their dirt, one could surmise the misgivings committed most likely ranged from what may be considered small to greater transgressions that really ended in disgrace. So you may be wondering, what does this have to do with the connection between courage and confession? Well, I'm glad you asked because the answer is summed up in one line in the movie. When Detective Luther is asked how the serial killer is able to commit such heinous crimes and manipulate people to take their own lives, Luther responds, he's probably figured out that in the right circumstances, the fear of shame, the fear of being called out, the fear of being caught is way more powerful than the fear of death. Now, this statement may sound like an extreme example, but the truth is, the feeling of shame that is induced by the fear of our sin being exposed can destroy and torment us. We've all experienced the weight of shame at some point in our lives, and shame is defined as a painful emotion caused by the awareness of having done something wrong, dishonorable, or foolish. David Roby was the villain in the movie that caused people to be so entrenched in shame that they saw no way out leading them to hide in isolation, which was his ultimate form of manipulation. Their shame had so overcome them, they would rather die than be exposed. Satan is your enemy, <laughs> the villain in your life, and he will make every attempt to hold you hostage and in bondage to the things that you are ashamed of. The Bible says in First Peter 5, 8-9, Stay alert. Other versions say, be vigilant, watchful, sober-minded, meaning free from intoxicating influences. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Listen, the devil's looking for any way he can to shake your faith and monopolize your weaknesses. He'll do anything to lure you into the trap of sin, and he'll use shame as a way to hold you in captivity. That is why, fellow believer, it is absolutely vital that we have the courage to confess. The courage to confess our sins and transgressions to God and to others because shame is a powerful force that will drive your life. It will cause you to hide. Confessing our sin to other Christians is not a suggestion. James 5.16 commands, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, while that command comes in the context of seeking healing— It also fulfills the intent of 1 John 1, 6-7 that says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we're in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. While walking in the light means living in the pursuit of holiness, it also includes living in transparency with other people. Well-known author Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this in his book Life Together. He says, He who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him, and the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. And that solitude, whether it feels lonely or not, is a really dangerous state. It's dangerous because it leaves us alone with our sin. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and the seclusion of the heart. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and the seclusion of the heart. We see the expression of confession in the example of King David's life in Psalm 32. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, we don't know the events that led up to this song of confession for David, but we do know that throughout his life, he committed many transgressions, from deceit to adultery to murder. You may be saying, my sin isn't that great, but remember what Jesus said in Matthew five twenty-eight. Everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. When God searches our hearts with a fine-tooth comb, it's not to condemn us, but to protect us from getting swallowed up by sin. As a follower of Jesus, we are called to confess, acknowledge, and admit our sins to God and to one another. Sin loses its power when we bring it into the light. Listen, Jesus took on your shame— Have the courage to confess and endure the initial pain of embarrassment or fear of being found out for the greater gain of taking hold of the grace and freedom you've been freely given in Christ. And when you're tempted to settle for less than freedom in Christ and your flesh tries to wrestle you away from holy living, remember this the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful, He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. That's 1 Corinthians 10.13. So I want you to hear this. You're not alone. Another thing Satan really wants to convince you of is that you are, and in that you're the only one that struggles with sinful thoughts, words, and actions. But Romans 3.23-25 reminds us that everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now, should we use grace as a license to sin? No, because Romans 6 tells us, should we keep on sinning so God can show more grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? But do remember and hold tight to the truth of Romans 8, 1-2. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Again, confession takes courage. The courage to show up and let the messiest parts of yourself be exposed and seen. Confession takes humility. Don't let pride or fear of rejection keep you from the ultimate freedom of confession. And, you know, be discerning about who you choose to confess to. It really should be someone who's wise and who's proven themselves trustworthy. Someone who's solid and they're a solid, mature follower of Jesus. They're going to hold your confession in confidence. Maybe it's a a pastor or a counselor or a ministry leader at your church a cherished friend who has demonstrated they're able to hold your secret sins with non-judgment and remind you of your identity in Christ and also not let you continue to tolerate your transgressions. No sin is too small to bring into the light. That's part of the problem, in my opinion. We tend to overlook or think minor offenses towards God are no big deal, but they can actually result in erecting tall fences between us, God, and others. Remember, you don't want to give the devil any crack or crevice where he can create a foothold and not only confess, but repent, turn the other way, and with the power of Holy Spirit, break the sin habit. Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to lead you to repentance and turn you from your sin? What sin are you currently concealing? Maybe you've been lacking integrity at work or telling white lies, falling into pride, self-righteousness, lust, envy, gluttony, or gossip, unforgiveness, hatred, or self-pity. Perhaps you're secretly struggling with an addiction, an affair, or enslavement to pornography. Even the sin we label as small has a way of influencing us and impacting our lives and those around us. You know, for the past two years during my quiet time in the morning, I journal what I'm grateful for, and I also journal what I'm confessing. Confession is a way of casting your burdens on Jesus, and it's really an invitation for God to transform that part of your heart and mind that is still living in the flesh and not completely in the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. So have the courage to confess, because sin is a slippery slope. You were created to have life and life to the fullest in Jesus. So acknowledge your sin to God. Confide it a friend who will hold what you share in confidence. Stand with you in prayer and remind you of the grace, love, compassion, and forgiveness of Jesus. Because it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then. Confess and experience the fullness of the forgiveness and freedom that's in purchase for you on the cross. Well, thanks for joining me this week. Know that you are deeply loved and highly favored. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you want the freedom and grace that comes by receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, we would absolutely love the opportunity to pray with you and to connect you with resources to build your faith. Send us an email. You can reach us at tcww at org. That's tcww at org. And if you'd like a copy of this devotional or you'd like to share this message with a friend, you can find it on our website at christianworkingwoman.org. Again, that's christianworkingwoman.org. And if this ministry has blessed you, we would absolutely love for you to partner with us financially so that we can continue to bring these resources and other resources to help you and others grow in your faith in Jesus Christ. So remember to follow us on our website, christianworkingwoman.org, and also check us out on Instagram at christianworkingwoman. Thanks, Lisa. And again, as she has mentioned,
0: if you want to know more about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, we would love to connect with you and pray with you and offer you some resources. You can find our contact information on our website at christianworkingwoman.org. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to connecting with you next week here on The Christian Working Woman.